0: Now, it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Heather Hansen, a trial lawyer with 20 years' experience focused on medical malpractice cases. She's consistently named one of the top 50 female attorneys in the state of Pennsylvania. Heather works as a communications consultant, appearing on CNN, NBC, Fox News Channel, and is the host of the Elegant Warrior podcast. And heather is now an author bringing us an important and useful book, a manual really, to navigate our world. It's The Elegant Warrior. So let's meet heather and get some great insights. Heather Hanson, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation.
0: And I as well. And sharing it because what you are doing with this book, The Elegant Warrior: How to Win Life's Trials Without Losing Yourself, just has so many places for us to really use all the wisdom in what is really a succinct book. And I think as we kind of noted just before we got recording here that that was uh, your goal was to make it really accessible and uh, simple for people to use. Absolutely.
1: I like to read in the morning before I start off on my day. And so my hope was that these short chapters with very specific um, goals for each chapter would give people something if they wanted to just pick something up and take a quick glance, they could use each chapter to sort of apply to their day or to a certain challenge that they were facing.
0: And then, of course, the stories. That is such an integral part of it as well. The way that you take a concept and there's a story to go with it, so it helps to really make it more real for us, more concrete.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, as a trial lawyer, we have so many stories, and lawyers love to sit around and tell their war stories. And so I thought that as long as I changed some names and some some circumstances, I would be able to tell some of those stories and really apply them to the concepts like learning how to object and how to overcome objections. And people really find, I mean, you know, Kate, everybody loves Law & Order and Perry Mason. (laughs) And so I think that people find the stories from the courtroom uh, interesting, and that sort of helps the medicine of the lesson go down.
0: True. And I have to admit, guilty. I really get (laughs) right into all of those shows as well. So, uh, yes, I think it resonates with probably a majority of the population in that way. And then again, just the whole idea of story, when we can relate to something rather than just theoretical ideas, when there's something concrete, someone we could really identify with or not, but we are intrigued, that really helps us to learn.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's study upon study that shows that to be true. It's interesting because one of the things I often talk about and probably going to be a focus of my next book is the idea that, you know, storytelling is wonderful, but we need to go beyond storytelling and actually advocate. But you're right, because in every one of my cases— There are two stories that we're trying to tell the jury, and the person who tells the better story with more credibility and asking the better questions is the one that wins. But ultimately, a compelling story can change someone's life.
0: So what is intriguing here with this book, The Elegant Warrior, is being able to take these concepts and apply them in our own life in in whatever situations we're finding ourselves in.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely the hope, Kate. You know, the thing is, as a trial attorney, I recognize that asking questions, for example, is key to winning a case. You know, so many people, when I tell them I'm a trial attorney, they say, oh, I should have been a trial attorney. I love to argue. And what I hate to tell them is that very little of what I do in court is argument. It's not supposed to be. The only time I get to argue is during closings. But the majority of the time, the way that I win is by asking questions. So you can apply that to your own life and say, how can I ask questions to resolve this conflict or to discover more information or to prove my point? And so I go through all the various aspects of a trial and of our cases and apply it to life outside the courtroom, because I think that these skills that we learn in the courtroom are utterly transferable and anyone can use them to advocate for themselves.
0: So, as you were saying about asking questions, and this is where it comes to us to to use that ourselves, but the other half of that, because asking questions is half, listening, you say, yeah. is just so key as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have to, you know, young lawyers oftentimes have their list of questions that they've prepared, and they're so focused on their list that they're not listening to the answers. And in not listening to the answers, they're missing key pieces of evidence. So to be a very good attorney and to be a very good advocate, you need to really listen to the people around you and not only listen to their words, but also their tone of voice. You know, I talk in the book about how important tone of voice is. Your tone of voice tells people more about your emotions than your facial expressions and your body language. So if you really want to get into someone's frame of mind and understand where they're coming from Listening to their tone of voice can be a huge secret weapon in that regard.
0: And again, we can see how taking that and applying it in our life is going to really make a huge difference and really help us to live a better life, really make it meaningful for ourselves.
1: Well, that's it, because, you know, we, everything is relationships. And whether it's at work and you want to advocate for yourself and stand up to get a raise or to build a relationship or to ask someone to mentor you or you're in some sort of conflict with a partner or with a friend, all of these things are things that tone of voice makes a difference and asking questions makes a difference and knowing when to settle just like we have to know when to settle in the courtroom. So each one of the skills that we talk, that I talk about in the book These skills are completely applicable to your life, no matter what you do or who you do it with.
0: And along those lines, but really not a question then, but was more of a statement that you discovered only somewhat recently, and you use it in your book, and I'm just fascinated with this statement, tell me what you want me to know.
1: It's so funny, Kate, because that is such a popular part of the book, and it's not my line. So I want to make (laughs) sure that I make that clear. I um, have the privilege of being an anchor at the Law and Crime Network. And as part of that job, I was anchoring during the time when the hearing against Larry Nassar, that gymnast uh, doctor who molested all of those young women, that hearing was going on. And the judge in that case was a woman named Judge Rosemary Aquilina. She is phenomenal. And for your listeners, she's actually working with Reese Witherspoon to create a memoir that's going to be on Audible of her life. And and she's got a phenomenal life. I was fortunate enough to uh, interview her for my podcast, and she's just amazing. But one of the things that she did that I thought was so unusual is as each woman came up to tell their story, Judge Aquilina didn't say, what do you have to say? She didn't say, what do I need to know? She didn't say, tell me what happened to you. She looked at each woman and she said, tell me what you want me to know. And that really impacted those women. We know that when that case began, only about 100 women planned to come forward and they didn't plan to use their names, the majority of them. At the end, over 150 women came forward and used their names. And I think it's in part because of that request. If you in your personal life are having a conflict with a partner, Saying, tell me what you want me to know, allows you to open up a discussion. Or if your child comes home from school and seems a little off, asking that child, tell me what you want me to know about your day, gives the child the power to decide what's important to him or her. I think that question can change anyone's life and anyone's relationship, and you can use it today.
0: Because it is just open-ended. No kinds of uh, judgments or impositions on it at all. It's just wide open.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, in court, we're not allowed to use leading questions with our own witnesses. And, and, And those other questions like, what happened today? Or did you talk to Susie today? Those are more leading questions. A question like, tell me what you want me to know, it leaves everything to the person who is answering and gives them all of the power. And that, in turn, gives you the power. Because as you listen, you get all the information that you need to make things better.
0: And so Heather, while yes, you, the, you don't claim this statement for your own. The fact is, it's part of the story and part of the recounting, because otherwise, many of us would not be aware of it. And it is so powerful. Well, and it's so
1: interesting because even Judge Aquilina, when I talked to her about it, she didn't realize that she worded it that way. It just came naturally to her. But I was able to, as an observer, see the impact of that statement on these women. So it's it's an interesting example of how we can sometimes say things in such a way that change everything for the better or for the worse without even being aware of it. So a big part of what I talk about in the book is being aware of the impact of your words and your tone of voice and your body language and all of those things.
0: Yes, it's so powerful. The Elegant Warrior, really a book that all of us can benefit so greatly by, regardless of what kind of work we are in. Uh, we... As parents, you've talked about asking these questions or how to deal with children. Definitely for parents, this is great. Teachers as well will benefit greatly.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's been interesting because as we head towards back to school, I've been getting a lot of questions about bullying and how children can learn to advocate for themselves. You know, the word advocate simply means someone who stands up and publicly supports someone or something. And so teaching children to advocate, I think, is something that's sort of overlooked at times. And as we as we head back to school and as we talk about bullying so much, I think it's really important to remember that if we teach children to advocate for each other, which oftentimes is easier, it's easier to stand up for somebody else than it is for ourselves. That practice makes them better at standing up for themselves as well. So, yes, the tools in the book are tools that even children can use in order to stand up for themselves each other, and to be able to uh, express their feelings and their emotions and their thoughts in a more effective way.
0: Yes. And therefore, they will feel so much more empowered. And having the tools really makes such a world of difference for them.
1: Well, it does, especially in those moments for all of us, not just children. Yes. In those moments when things get hard. So there, there's a chapter in the book that sort of addresses the Me Too movement because we women are the small mi- minority of trial attorneys. And so, you know, there are moments in the courtroom and outside the courtroom where things have happened. And I often talk to women about having practice the response to those types of things so that when they happen, it doesn't take you by surprise. And if it does take you by surprise, you have a go-to statement to go to, whether that is that's making me uncomfortable or I'd rather you not do that, or please stop, to know that you have that thing to fall back on. And it's the same for children. If children have a statement to fall back on in the moment when they're being bullied or in the moment when they're facing conflict, then not only do they feel more confident because they have that statement, but they also feel more confident because they've practiced it. And then that gives them the ability to actually say even more when they get in the moment.
0: And saying that also about any of us, women in the workplace, and when we might hear unwelcome comments, just to be prepared, having practiced how to say that, you found that yourself just as you were starting out, and it became part of uh, this elegant warrior that you are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it definitely is, it's it's, it's hard You know, when you're in those moments, it's difficult. And it's one of the most common questions I get about the book is how do you know what to say? Well, you don't always know what to say. And that's why thinking ahead of time, you know, we so rarely take the time to think, like sit down with no book, no paper, no pen, no computer, no phone, for goodness sakes, (laughs) and really just think about different circumstances that might come up in your life and how do you want to respond to them and what would you do if this happened? But that type of thinking creates pathways in your brain that allow you to then act upon them when you get in the situation. So yes, I do think that it's, it's great to read books like this and to practice some of the, the actions in the book so that when those moments come, you feel ready. And that feeling of readiness allows you to show that confidence.
0: And here's the beauty of the elegant warrior is that it is a a small book packed with just so much information, but keeping it succinct. I mean, r- right around 135 pages is is all that it is. And so simple, small chapters that really help us to hone in on something. And every every word, I mean, it's really an economy that you've used here so that it makes it go, you know, it's it packs a lot for its punch kind of thing.
1: I appreciate that so much. It's so funny. There's a quote by Mark Twain, which I'm going to kill, but it said something something like it takes an hour to write a three-page letter and three hours to write a one-page letter. It is hard to keep it focused, but I, I really appreciate I mean, one of the things, it comes from being a trial lawyer. I'm so cognizant of the jury's time. And not wasting their time and not asking the same question over and over again or saying the same thing over and over again. Because the last thing that I want is the jury to judge my clients because they're sick of me. (laughs) So I think that 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 influenced the way that I approached the book. I want the reader to never feel like, oh, my God, she's droning on and on. And who cares about this? I wanted them to feel like every line and every chapter gave them something that they could use.
0: Absolutely. And that's why we owe it to ourselves uh, for whatever time. but here, certainly as uh, the fall comes along and school is starting, you keep, get it so that we can work with it uh, in our own lives, whatever those circumstances might be. And of course the book, as we know, can be purchased at any of our favorite books sources, correct?
1: Absolutely, you can get it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's available on my website. It's also on Audible, and I read it myself, which was fun and hard and um, interesting. So you can get it anywhere that you that you like to get books.
0: And you're available on all kinds of social. But let's mention the website because that's where we can key into any and all of them, right?
1: Yes. So my website is heatherhansenpresents.com. My last name is H-A-N-S-E-N. So it's heatherhansenpresents.com. I'm actually working on a project, too, to sort of go a little further with the book, and it's going to be called Advocate with Elegance. So that's something that people can be looking out for as well. I'm going to be sharing specific tips and tools on how you can advocate for yourself with elegance, which really just simply means remaining true to yourself while you are speaking up for yourself.
0: Yes, and and that's more defined in the book as to what that means and how it is very individual, and not wanting to fit anyone else's mold, your mold, your friend's mold, but our own personal essence. Well, that's
1: right. The, the, The root of the word elegance, it comes from the same root as to elect. And so ultimately, it means to choose. So I believe that you choose your elegance. You know, for some people, that's going to be a tiara and earrings. And for others, it's going to be yoga pants and a T-shirt. But the hard thing, especially for me as a trial lawyer, is staying true to that choice, whatever it is for you when things get hard. You know, when we're in conflict or we're in times of war, which is oftentimes how a trial feels, it's easy to let the ego take you away and to think that winning is all that matters and losing your elegance. In those moments. So my hope is that the book will help people to stay true to who they are and who they want to be, even when life throws trials at them.
0: Yes, that is so beautiful, the way that you weave it all. I mean, we can't help but be really enamored as to how you've used words, which makes sense, you know, being a a lawyer, a trial lawyer that you would, but it still is really delightful to look at.
1: Thank you so much. Kate. It's really uh, it's been my pleasure to share the book with people and to see so many people reach out to me and say that it was helpful for them and going for that job or having that conversation or talking to their children. And so
0: it's been an absolute gift. Oh, that is so wonderful. And I know I, I really can't stress enough for everyone listening how important it is, the value of it for each of us. So, so keep that in mind as, as we also, you know, thinking in terms of the fall and school, but college, you know, it, it's tough for young kids, but boy, college has so, so many hurdles for young people to have to get through.
1: Well, that's right. And it's interesting. I I just gave a workshop this week um, to a group of young women, and I I polled them before we started about what they wanted to most focus on. And I gave them choices about asking questions, objecting, building credibility, using evidence to persuade. But far and away, the one that they most wanted to focus on was overcoming objections. You know, I think that as young kids go off to college and also as people start their work lives they often feel as though people are constantly objecting, like you can't do that and you're too young to do this and you don't have the experience to do that. And so finding ways to overcome those objections and to overcome their own internal objections, that inner voice that says, you can't do that. People might laugh at you. People might say that you're dumb. I had so many internal objections about writing this book. And so these tools are definitely helpful for those life situations where you want to learn to object or you want to learn to overcome objections.
0: So this is the perfect time to get your own copy and get comfortable with the contents so that it can be this source that we go back to all the time to kind of really look at something and and hone that within ourselves to, to feel more empowered.
1: Well, that's it. And it takes, you know, it does take practice. And that's another reason that I wanted the book to be something that you could pick up any day and reread a chapter to remind yourself. You know, I do, I do yoga, and one of my yoga teachers always says, remember to remember. You know, we, all of us forget to do all the things that we want to be. Sometimes that we, we forget our elegance. And so a big part of it is just taking the time to remember, to say, this is what's important to me in this moment, and to be very focused upon that as you go through your day. And hopefully the book will help you to do that so that when it comes time to object, it's not your ego speaking, but it's a thought out, planned out, this is what I want, this is my goal, and this is how a tool I know I can use to get there.
0: And that practice, you have a chapter where you have your own quote as part of it. Don't fake it till you make it, show it till you grow it. I think that's so fitting that, you know, we just keep practicing, show it.
1: Well, that's that's it. And it's, it's funny because that quote came from a situation that I had in court where I represented a doctor who was a little bit cranky. He was an older gentleman. He was gruff. And he was never going to be sweet and smiley and cuddly for the jury. And if I had asked him to be, if I would asked him to be all sweet and saccharine to the jury, the jury would have hated him. So instead, I told him, "Show." I knew he was so compassionate with his patients, and I knew he was so patient, and he was so kind, and he really cared, and he was really intelligent. So I told him to show all of those things, and as he showed those things, his confidence grew, his compassion grew, his light grew, and the jury fell in love with him. So I think we all have that little piece of confidence inside of us. We all have that little piece of joy inside of us. We all have that little piece of elegance inside of us. And the more that you show those things, the more people around you will respond, and then it just grows, and it blossoms and takes off.
0: And then there are so many aspects of this, but to really make it all work well, uh, one of the key things that you mention is that we need to make sure we have rest.
1: Yeah, it, it's and, and it's hard sometimes, especially during facing life's trials. And life's trials include things like, you know, death, divorce, moving, changing jobs, losing jobs. When all of those things happen, it is really tempting to just keep moving because you don't want to stop and you don't want to rest and you don't think that you can rest. But there's a big difference between action and progress. And sometimes the only way to make progress is to take a step back and rest. Your body needs the rest, your mind needs the rest, and your soul needs the rest. So I, I learned that from a terrible situation that happened in the courtroom where my mentor had a heart attack in the courtroom. And I recognized that we had been going full stop for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it was the universe telling him it was time to rest. And so you really want to make a conscious decision to rest before you have no choice but to do so.
0: Yes. And, it you know, when you were talking uh, and telling the stories of, you know, how driven you are as a trial attorney and, and you go, f- you know, for weeks without really much rest at all, I thought, how is it possible to really function well? And I know doctors do the same thing. They can work round the clock. How can we be our most effective selves that way?
1: Yeah, I mean, you really, you're running on adrenaline. Mm. And it's one, it's an interesting thing because what I have learned over time, so I've been a trial attorney for over 20 years now. And at the beginning, I would pull all nighters and think that that was the best way to address it. But what I have learned is that, and going back to Katie, to your question about listening, when I have rest the night before, I am better able to listen and respond to the things the witnesses say. Whereas if I don't have the rest, I'm reacting constantly. I'm not really thinking, and I'm not really responding to the evidence as it's actually being presented to the jury. So as counterintuitive as it feels in those moments when you feel like there's just not enough time and I have to stay up all night, it is so important to get your rest. And that applies, you know, as you know, and the audience may not, may not know this yet, I, my cases are defending doctors in medical malpractice cases. So I work really closely with doctors. And you do see that when they don't get rest, they're more likely to make mistakes, and that's proven by studies. So none of us are immune. I mean, while we all have different hours of sleep that we need, we all need to take a step back and rest at times.
0: And that's when we will be our best elegant warrior, when we are (laughs) well-rested.
1: That's the the hope. That's the hope.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that is really critical to remember and and you devote the chapter to it is laughter.
1: Yeah, I used to think that if I were laughing in the courtroom, then I shouldn't I shouldn't be winning. But if I wasn't uh, head down, no fun, then I wasn't working hard enough. And and I have to point out it's hard. My cases involve oftentimes patients who have had catastrophic injuries, so it's not appropriate to be you know, laughing all the time. However, if you don't take the time to laugh, you're going to end up regretting it because life isn't going to be as much fun. Your job isn't going to be as much fun. And you're not going to reap the benefits that laughter brings. Laughter helps you make connections with the people around you. So if you can laugh at work, you're more likely to be connected at work. Laughter also gives you all kinds of endorphins and chemicals that help your brain work better. So I think that sometimes we think we have to be so serious in order to succeed, and that is actually the opposite of what studies show to be true.
0: And you alluded to this by saying your mentor. That's another really important area of our life that we need to look toward being a mentor or having mentors, and in turn we become mentors as well.
1: Yes, I think that, you know, one of the things that I have learned as I, I was so lucky when I was young to have fabulous mentors. And then as I've gotten older, what I've realized is that younger people mentor me. And, you know, they come to me and say, will you be my mentor? And I love mentoring people, especially young women. But I often find that those young women that I mentor, they teach me about technology. They teach me, I, I glean so much from their energy that, and their enthusiasm that I may have lost for trial work. And so I think that you look around you and you can see mentors everywhere. It doesn't have to be that elderly statesman that we sometimes think of. It can be a child who mentors you on enthusiasm and joy and laughter and cheerfulness, or it can be someone completely out of your job. You know, I, as a trial attorney, some of my best mentors have been salespeople because selling a case to the jury is another type of sales. So I think if you're constantly looking for mentors, you will find them and you will also reap the benefit. And and then it's your responsibility to give back and mentor other people as well.
0: Yes, it uh, is that continuous circle or cycle that goes on. And uh, when we really become aware of it, it's so exciting and life-giving.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely... It makes you learn. It it adds to your basis of intelligence. It makes you more emotionally intelligent when you deal with all kinds of different people. And it does make life more exciting. If you put down your phone and you start looking around and saying, who can I learn from in this room? And one of the things I always encourage people to say is, "What, what three questions can I get answered in this interaction? All of a sudden, life is much more interesting and fun and exciting.
0: So, we owe it to ourselves for so many reasons, uh, some of which we touched on, and there's perhaps more that, uh, obviously, there's more. Uh, that maybe didn't uh, touch what you were thinking of you as a listener. This book, The Elegant Warrior, How to Win Life's Trials Without Losing Yourself, is just such a great gift we can give ourselves and really learn so much and really uh, become more of who we really want to be and who we were meant to be uh, on this life's journey on this planet. Heather Hansen
1: that that is my hope kate i mean if if that if the book can do that for just one person then it has served its purpose and i will be
0: thrilled well it it's truly a gem really we i, I can't stress enough how invaluable it is for our life let's mention once again your website heather
1: my website is heatherhansenpresents.com and it's hansen h a n s e n and I have my blogs and my podcasts, and I do videos there. So that's the place to go to find all things about advocating for yourself.
0: And that advocacy is in the title of the next book, right?
1: That's right. The next The next book is going to be Advocate with Elegance.
0: Wonderful. Well, this has been wonderful. I'm just uh, so excited with what you have shared with us and the potential for all of us to really become our b- best truce elegant warriors. So thank you so greatly.
1: Well, thank you. You are certainly an elegant warrior, Kate, and what you're doing for all of your listeners out there sharing all these fabulous books, it's a real
0: gift. Thank you. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Heather Hansen and Sunday Morning Magazine with Chuck Patrykus. Find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Click on the podcast tab, then Sunday mornings, and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of awareness, listening, and sharing with each other. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. And have a truly special long Labor Day weekend.